0: Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. On behalf of Pastors David and Nicole Binion, thank you for joining us today at the Dwell Church podcast. For more information about Dwell Church, visit us at dwell.church. Now, let's listen to today's message. I have a friend, um, he's in heaven now. And uh, when he first had an encounter with the Holy Spirit it was when our former pastor prayed for his daughter who was having a coughing spasm and so he said uh, he said Terry what's wrong he says well he said brother Charles she's just been coughing and I don't know what to do about it and it's just he said that's what he says well have you prayed for He said, I didn't know we could so they went back into the bedroom where she was in her crib and so Charles began to ask the Holy Spirit just to come and touch your life. And so he did. And she stopped coughing immediately. And Terry came back and he sat down in the living room and um, he had this glazed look on his face. And all of a sudden, he, he did his fingers like this and started poking in the air. And uh, his wife said, Terry, what on earth is wrong with you? And he said, Charlotte. It's so powerful in here, you could plug in anywhere. And uh, I, I feel like that's where we are now. We're in an atmosphere, and all you need to do is plug in, and God can give you what you need to have. Um, would you open your Bibles, please, to the Gospel of John? Chapter 2 two. And I'm going to read through verse eleven, chapter one, chapter two, verse one. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were six stone water pots set there for the Jewish custom of purification, containing 20 or 30 gallons each, Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. So they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the head waiter. So they took it to him. And when the head waiter tasted the water, which had become wine, and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the head waiter called the bridegroom and said to him, Every man serves the good wine first, and when the people have drunk freely, then he serves the poorer wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. Would you say that? You have kept the good wine until now. Say it again. You have kept the good wine until now. If you didn't say it with the rest of the people, then you have to say it by yourself. All right. All right. Verse 11 says, this beginning of his signs, Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory. And his disciples believed in him. And after this, he went down to Capernaum, he and his mother and his brothers and disciples. And they stayed there a few days. This March, we were in South Africa and um, we were having... An interesting experience, at least Clarence was having an interesting experience. Um, it was very hot where we were, and so when we got to this meeting, um, Clarence was getting set up with the rest of the team, get the keys and working through the, the song list. And so he told me later, he said, we were having a challenge, and I said, Well, what was the challenge? And he said, There was a sound in the room. We couldn't tell where it was coming from. We couldn't detect the source of it. We thought it was on the soundboard. We thought it was a shortage in the keys. And he said, we we couldn't find out what it was. And he said, and the problem was, it was a perfect D-flat. And uh, he said, and so I would try to play the songs that we were doing, but... I kept hearing the D-flat in the middle of all of the things that we were doing. And he said, and it just became absolutely frustrating. And I said, well, what did you do? He said, I changed all of our songs to (laughs) D-flat. Only Clarence. I think there are moments in life, and uh, I heard a friend say on one occasion, he said, sound is invasive, intrusive, and irresistible. Sound is invasive, intrusive, and irresistible. And there's something about sound when it's invading your space or invading something that you're trying to do. You're, you're challenged because it distracts you. You ever, you ever pull up to a house um, in the evening, like, like twilight, and they said the address is 409, and so you're trying to see and you say to somebody, "Can you turn the radio down? I'm trying to see." Um, <laughs> what is it about it that that invades your thinking? What, what it, it just it does something to you. I was I was in a, uh, a health club, <clears throat> and the music in the background was this abrasive kind of rock music. And when I came out of the sauna, I was mad, I was irritated. And, and I, I, I couldn't figure out why I was irritated. And, um, and it dawned on me, it's the music you were listening to. It was invading your space. Oh, yeah. And I think that the, the thing that the church is dealing with right now is that there's a sound that has come into the atmosphere. And that sound is invading, it's distracting, it's creating challenges for us. And we don't know quite how to deal with it. And I I was reminded of Psalm 137, where he says, by the rivers of Babylon, some of you might remember this, um, the rivers of Babylon, we sat down, yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. Some people are remembering what it was like before covid and you're, you're feeling bad about it, and you're regretting it. And, and he said, we hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof. For there they that carried us away captive required of us a song. And they that wasted us required of us mirth, saying, sing us one of the songs of Zion. And they said, how shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? we are in a strange land. The seasons that we, we've been in, everything has changed and you can't change what's been changed. You'd like to go back to the way it was. And, uh, but it's all different. It's very different. And you heard me say that I'm learning to live with the differences that we've experienced in COVID. Somebody said, during, before COVID, you could hear people say, um, I wouldn't touch that with a six foot pole. And now six foot is the standard. Or you can go to a bank early on. You could go into a bank, and I could go into a bank. If I had a mask on, if I went into a bank, I would be arrested immediately. Now I can go into the bank with a mask on and get money and leave. All of that's taken place. People wash their hands like never before, and I feel really comfortable now shaking hands. Um, Because it's different now. How do we sing a song in a strange land? And the question that was raised was raised because they thought they couldn't do it. And the question is, are you willing to sing a song in a different key? Are you willing to change where you are and adjust to what God has for you in the season you're in and uh, get happy with it? Paul says, I count myself happy. My mother told me. She says, you stop crying. She whipped me. And, and so I was sitting in the chair, and I was, I was just making, I was trying to make her feel bad. <laughs> just, <you know. laughs> she says, stop. I said, I'm trying, I'm trying. She says, you want me to get the switch again? I said, no, I can do it. I learned when in my emotions whether I wanted to or not. You can do this. Tell somebody, you can do this. Clarence did was he repurposed the key. He made it work for him instead of working against him. There are certain things that you're going to have to decide. Am I willing to be repurposed or am I going to stay here in my little cloud and just... Feel sorry for myself. We we sang a song when we were growing up. We actually it was a song that we teased other people with, but it was Nobody Loves Me, Everybody Hates Me. Sitting in the garden eating worms, nice fat one, great big juicy one, sitting in the garden eating worms. Nobody is going to like you if you eat worms. Period. And and if you have an attitude that says, I'm not happy, and everybody else has to be unhappy along with me, and, and I'm saying to people, look, if you're not happy here, I can't make you happy. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to try to get you happy by helping you to get on to your next happy place. Because if this isn't it, then there's another place for you somewhere because God loves you and your story's not over because it's not good. And you're trying to make your story my story, and I'm having a good time. Just someone said, "Chaos is merely order waiting to be deciphered." We call disorder chaos, but disorder and chaos are different. Chaos is is something that is working toward finding its order. There are a lot of things that, um, for instance, a hurricane, you can call it chaotic, but there are people who study hurricanes and they can say it has order to it. We know where it's going to go. We know what it's going to do. We know how they function. But a lot of people don't understand that the chaos that we find ourselves in is simply God simply saying, are you ready to say you can change me? Wow, yeah. And and, uh, and God is saying, I know I can and I will, but I need to move you. I need to move you. So here's the title to this message, and then I'll be done with the title. <laughs> don't, don't resist him. Let him repurpose you wow. for a greater purpose. Don't resist him. Let him repurpose you for a greater purpose. And I want you to look at the story. It's in John chapter 2. And I love this story. It's amazing how God can communicate truth. See, and I want you to listen to it the way I'm going to read it to you. It's in John chapter 2. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cain of Galilee. And how I many you realize there, there, There were no punctuations in the original Greek scripture. So if you got a comma in a verse or you have a paragraph or a period, they weren't there originally. They didn't write like that. So I'm going to read it the way I think it might have been read. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding when the wine ran out. Both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding when the wine ran out. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And he said essentially to his mother, how is that our problem? And I think she could have said, well, we had some before your disciples came. Because that's when the wine ran out. Some of you didn't see that coming. Just... (laughs) The wine ran out. When Jesus says to her, how is that our problem? In fact, he uses the term woman. He says, woman, how is that our problem? Some people think he's being rude to his mother, but Jesus would never be rude to his mother because it would be a violation of the fifth commandment. Honor your father and mother. In fact, he'll use that same phrase at the cross when he says to him, Woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. So when he says to her, Woman, what does that have to do with us? My hour has not yet come. He's he's asking her to consider that there are things you can ask me now, and there are things that you can't. When when he was twelve, and you remember the story, when he was twelve, they had been to Jerusalem for the feast, and uh, and then the parents left, thinking that he was in the group, and so a couple of days out, they're looking for anybody seen Jesus, and looking for Jesus in all the wrong places, and so when they. Figured out he wasn't there. They said, well, he's back in Jerusalem. So they go back to Jerusalem, and they're looking all over Jerusalem for a couple of days. And then finally, finally, they go to the temple. And when they get to the temple, that's where he is, sitting. And he's talking to the priests and the teachers, and they're raising questions. And he's asking questions and giving them answers, and they are astounded at his at his. Purpose, He's he's wise. He's he's asking great questions and everything. Brilliant kid, brilliant kid. I just saw um, in one of the news feeds a, a guy, a kid who was 12 years old, just graduated from college with five degrees. I don't know how to, I don't know how you do stuff like that, but Jesus is beyond that. Yeah, yeah. And so he's sitting there, and so when they, they see him, these people are impressed, but the parents aren't. And so they ask the question, why, son, why have you treated us like this? And, and they're not being, um, they're, they're not talking to Jesus. They're talking to Jesus. Right, right. And he's upset them. And the, I don't know if you, if you know what it's like to have to be looking for your kid and you can't find him and all kinds of questions are going through your mind and you know that you've been given the stewardship by God to raise his son and you don't know where he is. Wow. And they are concerned and so they, they say to him, why have you treated us like, I don't know, anybody got kids? I have children and I've asked them sometimes, why are y'all treating us like this? And we don't say, why have y'all treated I like us? <laughs> they are upset. Yeah. And Jesus is very cool and almost too cool. And he says to them, why are you bothered about something like this? Didn't you know that I would be in a place like this? You mean you were looking everywhere but the temple? Yeah. Didn't you, and didn't you know that I must be about my father's house? And they just kind of looked at him and, okay. Now he's 30 years old and his mother is saying to him, they've run out of wine." And somehow she has a sense, I don't know if she's ever seen him do a miracle or not, but she recognizes that there's something going on. Somehow she's got some kind of responsibility for the wedding feast. She has some sort of administrative responsibility, and she's aware of something that the bridegroom doesn't know and that the guy who's running the party doesn't know. And so she comes to Jesus, and he says, she says, they've run out of wine. They've run out of wine. Maybe she's got a, a panicked expression on her face. And Jesus steps back from her, and he says, how is that our problem? He says, do you remember a discussion we had when I was 12? (laughs) That I had to be about my father's business. And he says, today I'm saying to you, my hour has not yet come to do miracles. It's not here. And what you're asking, I love the, the, the passion translation. He says, In in the margin of his translation, he says, what you're asking is not a problem for you, but it means a whole lot to me. If I do this now and I begin to display who I am, it's going to open a whole different kind of deal. Now, here is Mary, and I got to tell you about Mary. Mary is an exceptional woman. In fact, the scripture says she is favored above all women. So when people get upset with the Roman Catholics who say, Hail Mary, thou art highly favored, all they're doing is quoting the scripture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The angels said it before they did. Wow. Why did he say it? Because they think a lot of Mary in heaven. Yeah. If you were God and you chose somebody to be your son's mother, you are making a statement about that person. Yeah. Wow. God, when he said, Mary... You have been chosen to be the mother of the son of God. He's going to sit on the throne of his father, David, and his kingdom is going. And, and he's going on. The angels is just going on. And, and this little teenage girl is listening to him, and she's thinking to herself, I ain't got no boyfriend. How's all that going to happen? I'm not married. And so she raises a question with him. She says, How is that going to take place? And he says, She says, I'm still a virgin. And he says, Mary, good question. Where I come from, it's not hard. What's going to happen is that the power of the highest is going to come upon you. The Holy Spirit is going to overshadow you. And the holy thing born in you will be called, is going to be called the Son of God. Oh, by the way, your cousin Elizabeth, yes. She's now in her sixth month, yes. Do you remember they used to say she was barren? Yeah, but not anymore. Because whenever God makes a statement, That statement is fulfilled. It's filled with promise and it's filled with power. He says, no. in fact, it says like this, no rhema. Say no rhema. Say it, no no rhema. rhema. Say it again, no no rhema. rhema. No rhema will be impossible to be fulfilled because the power is in the rhema itself. And when he said that to Mary, I don't know how long Mary thought about it. I don't know if she was prepared for it, but here's what Mary said be it unto me according to your word. Right. Or literally, be it unto me just like you said it. Yeah. And so she responds to God. You have no idea what's going to take place when you say yes to God. Right, right. Because when she says yes to God, she hasn't thought through. You know, I'm not married, but I'm saying yes to getting pregnant. Um, i got to explain this to my husband. I've got to explain this to my dad and my mom. How am I going to explain that? See, we don't think about stuff like that. You just read the Bible. But the people in the Bible had problems just like you had problems. And when she's saying yes to God, and this is where I get my stuff from, because when you say yes to God, you're saying yes to God. You're not saying yes to your wife or your husband or your kids or your boss. You're saying yes to God, and he can tell you this is what you're saying yes to after you say yes. God, if you tell me what you want me to do, I'll do it. He says, no, if you tell me you'll do it, I'll tell you what I want you to do. See, I want to know before I sign because I'm an American. I I live in a democracy. I have a right (laughs) to know. Until I got into the kingdom of God and everything changed. And now your, your desire is to do the will of him who sent you and to please him. And you need to be able to say, like Jesus, my meat, my food is to do the will of the one who sent me. I only do what pleases the man who sent me. Wow. So here is Mary. She's walking it out. Mary is going to have challenges. In fact, when Jesus is birthed, born, they bring him to the temple and Simeon who has been waiting for the promise of God. He he sees him come in. Holy Spirit has said to him, go to the temple. Go to the temple. And he gets there. And when he gets there, he sees this baby and he says, may I see the baby? Yes. And he looks at the baby and he says, my eyes have seen the salvation of Israel. Holy Ghost comes on him in that moment. And he realizes this is the thing. This is the one. This is what I've been believing God for. And God said, I'm not going to let you die until you see it. He didn't see a grown man. He didn't see a white horse rider. He saw a baby. Some of what God has for you, if you can't see it in its infancy, you'll never see it in its maturity. Well, I just can't see it. I just can't see it. Sometimes what you need to be able to say is, "I well... You remember when you went to kindergarten and gave you a little cup and you put some a seed in the dirt and, it, and then you wash it for all and you come and you look and nothing happened, nothing happened and finally a little, yeah. just a blade yeah. and you got excited about the blade. Yeah. You've got prophetic words that have been spoken to you yes. and you're looking for the white horse fulfillment, great maturity, it's coming in all of its splendor Find the blade first. Get excited. Some of you have prophetic words this week. Just say, God, just show me the blade. I know it's here. Show me the blade. I know it's here. But when it comes, realize that there's some issues that are coming with it. There's some things that are packed into your prophetic word that you didn't know about. I didn't see that coming. I didn't know it was going to be like that. I married Barbara, and I was so excited about it. And I woke up one day and she was still sleeping. I looked at her and she was so beautiful. And I just I thought, man, you are so lucky. And then she woke up and uh, and she says, "What are you thinking?" And I said, "I don't feel like I'm married." She said, "Adjust your feelings to the facts." And I did. And I've been married for 51 years. And and I'm still adjusting. <laughs> Mary, your soul is going to be pierced through with many sorrows. Mary, people are going to call you a slut. Mary, people are going to say you got married out of wedlock and that jerk you married, he was willing to take you on. Jesus was thought by those who accused him of being illegitimate. In fact, when he was having this discussion with the Pharisees, they would say, we be not born of fornication and that's his reputation that's Mary's reputation and she's going through all of this and now here is this boy that she has given her whole life to to raise him up saying to her how is that our problem <laughs> what do you mean how is that our problem do you know what i've gone through just to get you here do you know the kind of things i i had to go to I'm, boy some of you don't have kids that have been snotty. <laughs> she thinks he owes her something. That's what right, right, right. so somebody told me one day. I said, my mama, you owe me. She said, how, how old are you, boy? I said, I'm 17. She says, you owe your mother 17 years and nine months carrying charges. Just, <laughs> I said, okay. And She's stunned. She's taken aback by his response to her. She thought, oh, sure, mother, we can work this out. But he doesn't say that. He says, how is that our problem? What does that have to do with you and me? Yeah. Well, Let me just tell you what I think. Think about it. She's the only person who will know Jesus from birth to death she was there when he was born and she was there when he died only person she's, she's the only person who God selected out of the billions of people on earth to be the mother of his son that's a high regard Mary's not just another woman people she's God's mother son son of God that's his mother He recognized her, Mother. She's baptized in the Holy Spirit. She's filled with the Holy Ghost so she can give birth to the Son of God. She's empowered by the Spirit. She walks in faith. There are a lot of things that are going on in Mary's life, and she's living this life, and she is living it with care, and she is taking everything that goes on and holding it in her heart and meditating on it and thinking about it. When everything goes wrong or goes right, she just... She hides it in her heart. So I thought, man, what what would you do if you were married? And this this is going like that. Because the next verse after he said, how is that our problem? You know what she does? She goes over to the servants and she says to them, whatever he tells you to do, do it. Now I'm asking a question: What happened between? What happened between? How is that our problem? And whatever he tells you to do, I mean, see, we don't see it in there. So I I need to, I need to fill in the blank. I need, I need to put something in there because what, what Jesus is saying to her. I need to draw a demarcation between the relationship that we've had for years and the kind of relationship we're going to have now. You can't be my mother anymore. And that's what he's saying. Now, what's Mary saying? Mary has said yes to God. Mary has said, yes, I'll bear him. Yes, I'll put up with all of that. Yes, I know he's going to. Yes, yes. Mary's done that. Now, now, I'm, just, I'm just saying. I'm just suggesting. I'm not trying to put anything anywhere other than what I'm putting. <laughs> I know he only listens to you and he's telling me that this has nothing to do with us and now i know how he feels about us but i also know how he feels about you and and he said he has to be about your business and i'm and i know he said something like i only do what my father wants me to do and so says you're the father and all I'm saying, all I'm saying is that you asked me to do something for you one day. And I said, yes. Now, all I'm saying, I, I'm, I'm just saying. Can't you talk to your son? I'm just suggesting that between the what does that have to do? And whatever he tells you to do, there's some assurance that Mary has received from the Holy Spirit, from the Father that says, you go ahead and ask and I'll make the rest of it happen. And so she says to these guys, go and stand in front of them and whatever he tells you to do. And it's interesting, please, because the way the Greek is set up, it's, a, it's, a, it's an heuristic imperative that says do exactly what he says and don't deviate from it. Wow. Wow. And do it now. Whoa. And then I just saw them, I just, just a few minutes ago, I just saw them go and stand in front of Jesus. <laughs> and, I, I, and I hear Jesus saying, what do y'all want? Your mother says, come and stand here. <laughs> and between that statement and the other statement, the father says, make it happen. And without any argument, Jesus looks around, and all he can see are six stone water pots that are designed to cleanse hands. That's what they're designed for, to cleanse hands. And, And he says, those six water pots over there, fill them to the brim. Fill them to the brim and take some and carry it out over there to the head waiter. And they look at him, but they're servants. Mm -hmm. See, they're they're servants. And they know to do what they're told. They don't say, do what? They're not union laborers. (laughs) (laughs) They're servants. A servant does what a servant is supposed to do. He obeys. And And they just look at one another and say, hey and going fill them up Do you all understand what is Jesus doing he is taking something that may have been useful but not necessarily because in the law the law had said nothing about stone vessels and wash your hands. That's a he, That's a, a Pharisee thing. Got to wash your hands, got to wash your hands. Can't eat without wash his hands. And Jesus is, re, he's ridiculing all of that. And he's saying, fill those things right there. There? Yes, fill them. I need to make a lot of wine. And they do. And... He says, now, carry some over there to that guy. They're servants. You want me to take water to that guy? Yeah, take it in a pitcher and pour it out in his glass. Okay. They don't argue. On the way, it's water. And they can see it's water. But when they get there and pour it out, it's no longer water. It's wine. What happened? He repurposed those wine vessels, but in the process, he also repurposed his mom. He says, Mom, I've got, can I move you from being my mother to being my follower? Can I move you from the person who raised me to an intercessor? Can I move you from somebody who, is, who has done all your life one thing and one thing only, and that's to look after me. Can I move you now to somebody who can say, that's my Lord. It's not my. He's not just my son. He's my Lord. The problem with the church and people in the church is that when it's time for God to adjust us and move us somewhere else, we say, "I've been here for a long time. I've always done this. I've always been. I've, I've, I've always been the head usher, and I've always been the person who have counted the money, and I've always been the person who played the keyboards. And I know I only played in one key, but, but, but." And then somebody comes along and they exceed you. When I, well, we planted our church in Pittsburgh, I was the piano player, I was the B3 organist, I was the Sunday school teacher, I was the Sunday school bus driver, I was the janitor, I was the, I mean, I was, I was, I was all of it. And then somebody came one day and they could really play the piano. I, my favorite keys were F and G. But they could, they, what, what key is that? I, my God, thank you, God. And I stepped back and people said, Bishop, why don't you play any longer? And I said, are you crazy? Look, Clarence is there. I, I don't play when Clarence is around. Denise is there. I don't play when Denise is around. And I'm happy for it. Well, but we miss you. I said, I don't miss me. Because God was saying, and I'm here to say to you, uh, it's, there's, there's this guy, uh, Willie George, Willie George, he, he would hire people to work in their ministry and he had this agreement with them. When I bring you into the ministry for the, a specific job, he says, here's what I want you to understand. We will let you work in that job and if you work out in that job, we'll keep you there. But if we find out it's not working for you, I need to let you know that I'm going to move you. And the question is, can I move you? Can I move you? I believe the church is struggling because people who should have been moved are unwilling to be moved. And their song was, I shall not, I shall not be moved. And you're trying to get on with what God has for you. And you don't realize that the best is saved for now. It's a now moment. What is God doing in your life right now that you wish you could have said yes to a long time ago? If I had only known it was going to be this good, I would have done this a long time ago. I remember when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit with well, just lifted my hands and worship. I, I was raised in a Pentecostal holiness church where you sought God for the Holy Ghost and you tarried and you called on him and you waited and you said, Jesus, 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 hello, hello, and just all along and on. And you worked for it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> even though it was a gift. Right. And I remember one day, I just my uncle said, "Just let's just lift our hands and worship." I lifted my hands, and I just started speaking in tongues. And I stopped, and I said, "Man, if I had known it was this easy, wow. I'd have had the Holy Ghost a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. But I had to work for it." <laughs> And when you have to work for something that God has said, I can give this to you, you don't understand the problems that are associated with it because it's hard to give up something that you had to work for. Can I move you? Mother, here's the deal. I love you. I honor you, but you can't be mama anymore. In fact, I'm going to say some things later on because people are going to say, your mother's here, your brothers are here, and I'm going to say, who is my mother? Yeah. Who is my brother? Who is my, who is my, who, you are, you're my mother, you're my mother, you're my brothers, you're my sisters, if you do what I like for you to do, do the will of God. Yeah. Mother, all I'm asking is for you, to t- you're still on the bus, but I just need you to take another seat. Prophetic words have been spoken over this house. Some of you are going to realize that the word has moved you. And if you say yes to the move, great things can happen. Wonderful things can happen. If you resist it, if you say well, we've never been this way before, and uh, I don't understand why the pastors are doing this. Why do we have to leave this place? It's so good here, and it's comfortable, and I just love it. And he's saying, God is saying it's time to go. Uh, Mary, here's what I want you to see. The day Mary said yes is the day she released the glory. Well, look at it. It says it right here. This beginning of his signs Jesus did in Cain of Galilee and manifested his glory. His glory was manifested because his mother could take another place. She could have stayed right there, but she took another place. And the and then the scripture says, and they went down to Capernaum with her. They followed him now. They're following. And then you know what? She's gonna end up in the upper room. Yeah. She's gonna speak in tongues. All that's going to happen in her. She's still the mother of Jesus. She's still honored for who she is, but she also knows I'm 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 a disciple, I'm a worshiper. I gave birth to someone that I'm going to worship. Yeah, wow. Oh, back to the back to the picture. When that servant who was told whatever he tells you to do, do it. Everybody say, whatever. Whatever. You know that, right? Whatever. No, no. No. Whatever is it almost has an infinite limitation. He's not, if he tells you to do this, don't do it. No, no. It's whatever he tells you to do, do it. When people tell me God would never do that, Holy Spirit would never do that, I said, look, there are things in the Bible that you don't see because you think the Holy Spirit would never do that. But the Holy Spirit will do anything he wants because he's God. The spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet, but not the spirit of God subject to the prophet. Wow, right. So when God, says to, uh, when God says to Isaiah, I want you to go and prophesy to the nations. Just prophesy to the children of Israel. All right. He says, but I would like for you to do it without any clothes on. <laughs> and he does for three years, barefoot, naked. It's in the Bible but a lot of people try to adjust that scripture because it doesn't happen that way. Saul prophesied all night long without any clothes on under the anointing. No clothes on. All night long. No clothes on. All night night long. All night long. No clothes on. He found out who God was. So here's this servant who is this little? He's got a pitcher and he walks over, and he pours it out, and he is as shocked as anybody because what's now coming out isn't water; it's wine. Jesus has accelerated a process that would take two years if you started planting grapes and fulfilled it over to the place where you harvested, squeezed, packaged. Bottled. Two years. In two years, it would have taken out. He walks across to this guy in less than two minutes. And in two minutes, a process is going on that accelerates the miraculous. Accelerates what the ridiculous. If you want to, if you want to see the miraculous, you gotta be willing to do the ridiculous. When he pours that out. And that guy looks at it. He's not surprised that it's wine. He's surprised by how good it tastes. When he tastes that, he says, stop the music, y'all. He says, y'all got to know, this is some of the best stuff I have ever had at a wedding. Everybody serves the best. And then at the end, when people can't tell the difference, they bring out the poor stuff. But you have saved the best for now not last, now. Your best is yet to come. Your best is now. It's not when Jesus comes, it's now. It's not when this breakthrough happens, it's now. I just need to close with this. I'll do this so that you'll know I'm closing. 20 to 30 gallons per vessel. I'm going to go for the big number. 30 gallons times 6 is 180 gallons. Someone has estimated that that amounts to about 3,200 glasses of wine. Cane is not that big. Why so much wine? Why so much wine? I grew up in the projects in Whenever you went to a party, uninvited or invited, you expected wine to be there. And when they were coming out, coming down, he says, is it over? No. Why are you coming out? He says, no more wine. When the wine is gone, the party's over. They've run out of wine, and that's the challenge that the church is facing. They've run out of wine. Jesus, why are you making so much? He says, I don't ever want them to run out because ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party because a Holy Ghost party, it don't stop. If you are in a place and you know the party's over, that's the time to say, I'm going to go where there's still a party going on. There is something about parties, and I don't know if you ever experienced this or not. Would you just stand with me for a moment? I don't know if, if, if you've ever seen this, but most of these, these pastors, prophets, they, they've been to other nations. I've been to South Africa with him, Germany, i have been with you, but I've been to Germany, Switzerland, Korea. India. When you go to those places, and if you see some somebody do, doing like like this, you don't need a translator because drunk is a universal language. When you see that, you see, and you you just want to say. Is he drunk? Yes, yes, he's drunk. Oh, I thought that was only like that in America. No, it's everywhere. When he says these are not drunk as you suppose, it's because you're looking at a phenomena that everybody's familiar with. There is a need, and here's what I've discovered. If you get the right kind of wine and the right kind of music, you can gather the right kind of people and they won't be turned off and in fact they won't look at you do you understand there are people singing reggae who aren't Jamaican because it's the music but when you take the music and the wine oh Lord common union joy it's got to have music to it it's got to have joy to it I want you to just look at your hand and say God I'm in a place with this joy and there's just enough wine to manifest your presence i'm also willing to say to you you can move me for a greater purpose thank you for joining us today at the dwell church podcast For more information about Dwell Church, visit us at dwell.church.